From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy. And I'm Lexi Krupp. There's this joke you might have heard. It starts like this. Why does Vermont make more maple syrup than New Hampshire? The punchline is a little crude. It goes, when a sugar maker in New Hampshire finds a dead squirrel in their sap bucket, they toss out the squirrel and the sap. But in Vermont... In Vermont, sugar makers, they take the squirrel out and wring it and put the sap in the tank. So that's why there's more maple syrup in Vermont. It's just so silly. Sandra Carey has actually found herself in this situation many times, staring at a dead squirrel in a bucket of sap. She and her husband have a backyard sugaring operation at their home in White River Junction, which is right on the state border. She says it's usually dead mice she finds, not squirrels. Either way, this idea that thrifty Vermonters would hold onto a bucket of sap after finding a dead creature floating around... That's not true. We wouldn't keep the sap. But Sandra is not surprised to hear these sorts of jokes poking fun at Vermont or back at New Hampshire. If you grew up around here, you've probably heard them too. It was so common, I literally can't even remember specifics. I just remember it was like part of the air, having that attitude. Meredith Baytayak is from Landgrove. It's a small town of 100 or so people in Bennington County, not particularly close to New Hampshire. She says her community was proud and protective of their Vermont identity. She thinks that's why she heard these constant barbs throughout her childhood. Like, oh God, oh, she's going to New Hampshire. Oh, why would you go there? Oh, the whole state is paved over, something like that. And this rivalry really stuck with her. So much so that all throughout high school, she kept a secret from her friends. Yeah, I grew up in Vermont, um, but I was born in New Hampshire. And I remember not telling people that, (laughs) like just literally saying, oh, yeah, I was born in Vermont. Meredith does not lie about her birthplace anymore. These days, she lives in Winooski and tries to make sure her two kids don't buy into tropes about New Hampshire or anywhere else. But those jokes and myths she heard nonstop growing up they're still floating around. And it's not just arguing about who is the best maple syrup. The granite state. We love tossing knives up in the air and catching them with our mouths. So always had strong feelings that in some way, shape, or form, Vermont was just better than New Hampshire. Live free or die. Don't wear a seatbelt. Don't wear a helmet. You want me to cross the border into the Socialist Republic of Vermont, and I can't even have a cigarette. Vermont? That's the desert of spirituality. Don't go to Vermont, because in Vermont you can't do anything, because <laughs> they have too many rules. But here you can do whatever you want. Welcome to Brave Little State, BPR's people-powered journalism project. Here on the show, we answer your questions about Vermont, because we want our journalism to be more inclusive, more transparent, and more fun. Today, Lexi Krupp gets up close with our favorite frenemy. You know, the one that's an upside-down Vermont, and tries to unpack this perceived tension between the states. 
Oh, goodness, New Hampshire. It, like, feels different on a cellular level for me. How Vermont compares itself to its neighbor. A lot of the rivalry has to do with that. Vermont is always telling people to be good. And what this rivalry says about us. There are times when Vermonters want to hold up as an exemplar. Oh, my goodness. You know, look what they're doing in New Hampshire. My God, aren't we civilized up here? We have support from VPR's sustaining members. Welcome. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. This episode came from a question posed by Ian Harding. He grew up on the East Coast, outside of D.C., and has been coming up to New Hampshire every summer since he was a kid. So I've always loved, sort of from afar, New England in general, but like in some strange, fantastical way, uh, Vermont, which I've literally only driven through. And most of his life, passing through, Ian never thought much about Vermont having its own separate identity. It just felt like a continuation of New Hampshire in my mind, which I know, I miss, I miss to see if there are Vermonters that'll listen to this and be like, what? You know, um, and spit on the ground. It was only recently, talking to friends who grew up here, that he realized he might be missing something. So he wrote to Brave Little State with this question. Okay, let me, okay, here we go. He read through it a few times. What's the beef with New Hampshire, and is the feeling mutual? I should probably go up at the end, I think. Uh, let me try this one, okay. So, what's the beef with New Hampshire, and is the feeling mutual? That might be too much. <laughs> Ian actually does this for a living, saying the same thing again and again in slightly different ways. He lives in California, where he's an actor. Really glad you called. I read yesterday's paper. That's Ian in the show Pretty Little Liars. And just like the show he was in, Ian's thoughts on Vermont and New Hampshire are popular. How, on their face, the states don't seem that different. Another famous guy from California said basically the same thing, Robert Frost. In a poem from 1923, he wrote, Anything I can say about New Hampshire will serve almost as well about Vermont. Now, there are some locals who might actually spit on the ground at this idea. And if you're one of them, and you're all fired up for a debate about income taxes or environmental policies or school funding or abortion laws, spoiler, we are not going to go there today. Because comparing the states point by point is not actually Ian's question. He is asking about the beef with New Hampshire and if the feeling extends both ways. While that friction might be rooted in some real differences, this competition is subjective, and it connects to how we define ourselves as Vermonters or Granite Staters. 
Before we get there, though, this rivalry is only possible because we think of Vermont and New Hampshire as two fundamentally different places. And that was not always the case. Sherry Gould has spent a lot of time reflecting on this. I was born in Peterborough, New Hampshire, and I live in Warner, New Hampshire, and I'm a professional basket maker. Sherry's also Abenaki, a descendant of the people living here long before Europeans entered the scene. She says for her ancestors, there was no magic line dividing New Hampshire and Vermont. The border is very different for us, I think, than it is for the mainstream public. There's this Abenaki word that means homeland. It's called endakina, and it's helpful in understanding how Sherry thinks about today's political boundaries. So it encompasses all of New Hampshire, most all of Vermont, uh, northern Massachusetts, like down as far as Route 2, a little bit of western Maine and southern Quebec. So that was just traditionally the homeland for today what's known as the Abenaki people. And the actual line that divides Vermont and New Hampshire today, the Connecticut River, it served a totally different purpose a few hundred years ago. It was a great way to get around by canoe. It was never the boundary for us, for our people. It was just the highway. That river ended up being an early beef, if you will, for European colonizers. And this actually brings in what was happening in the colony of New York. So here's a mini history lesson. Back in the 1600s, a royal charter said New York's territory went all the way up to the edge of the Connecticut River. But as soon as New Hampshire became its own colony in the mid-1700s, this brash new governor named Benning Wentworth didn't listen to what some king back in England had to say. So they quickly tried to grab the land in Vermont and give grants for to New Hampshire folks, and then, you know, the New Yorkers wanted it for themselves. This summary is from David Waters, a state senator from Dover, New Hampshire. He's also a former English professor and used to be editor of the Encyclopedia of New England. He says out of all that squabbling for land, the Republic of Vermont was born. It took a few years to join the United States, but in 1791, Vermont finally made the cut. Fast forward to 1933, the states were still arguing about the border and where exactly along the river the line fell. Vermont sued New Hampshire. The rub was over which state had the right to tax power plants along the western shore. The case made its way up to the Supreme Court. And to settle the dispute, the judges went back to colonial documents, declaring the boundary at the low tide line on Vermont's side of the river, where it remains today. Are we Vermonters bitter that New Hampshire's border comes all the way across the river to our shore? Maybe. But this era, when power plants started popping up all along the river, was when the separate political identities of Vermont and New Hampshire really started taking shape. Because for years, the states had been tough to distinguish. They were roughly the same size and the same population of mostly farmers. But then there was a big shift. New Hampshire's really became much more defined by the you know, large-scale industrialization. And uh, in Vermont, you know, agriculture held on a lot, lot longer. David says partly because of these differences, Vermont developed this reputation of small, tight-knit communities, 
think back to the Landers in the 1960s and 70s, when all the hippies came here. And in New Hampshire, because of the rise and fall of big mills and factories, a more libertarian political identity emerged, with an emphasis on letting people do as they please, without the government or anyone else getting involved. Think live free or die, and no income taxes. I like our cranky individualism. I mean, I I feel that very much myself. I think it's, you know, New Hampshire is a place for a lot of people just they want to be left alone and they want to go their own way and uh you know they want their privacy respected um and uh that's that's really strong but even david the new hampshire politician admits this independent spirit can sometimes be a pain in the butt as a legislator again i'm looking at with envy at some of my colleagues over in Vermont, what you all are getting done uh and wishing that we could get some of those things done That culture in New Hampshire is really different from the political reality today in Vermont. We have such different expectations of um, what government should do. Um, And that's from like, and that's within parties, you know, like Republicans and Republicans on either side have very different perceptions than Democrats or Democrats on either side. That's right after this. Becca White is a state representative for Hartford, a town that borders New Hampshire. And something to know about Becca is that she really loves Vermont. Right after she turned 18, she got her one and only tattoo. It's the Vermont state motto, which is freedom and unity. (laughs) It's on her back across her shoulder blade. She says her mom was not pleased about the decision. But that doesn't bother Becca too much. I would never not get this tattoo. In fact, the only thing I would change is making it bigger. Vermont's state motto, freedom and unity, is so meaningful to Becca because she says a lot of what makes this place special helped her get to where she is today, like Vermont's social safety net programs. I got free lunch. Um, I was a part of income programs helping me get to college. And growing up with a community looking out for her. Whether it be the lunch ladies who... (laughs) who like truly wanted and were invested in me and my family and knew me. And it it was just a very communal way of growing up. And I didn't expect to be like emotional at this moment, but it makes me really emotional when I talk about how much I love Vermont because I I feel like I lucked out in where I grew up. And even if you didn't grow up in Vermont or New Hampshire, some of what makes the states different, you can feel as soon as you cross the border. Like for Sherry, the basket maker from New Hampshire. She remembers back in the 1990s, she was invited to dinner with her husband at this fancy restaurant in Norwich. And he wasn't too keen to go. Vermont had just passed a strict smoking law ban. And and my husband was a smoker. And he said, let me see if I have this straight. You want me to cross the border into the Socialist Republic of Vermont and I can't even have a cigarette. Vermont passed this law banning smoking in all restaurants, hotels, and places like libraries and grocery stores. It was the first state in the country to enact this sweeping legislation, which is pretty on brand. Crossing the Vermont-New Hampshire border these days, you might notice other differences, like how the two states responded to the pandemic 
the extent to which the state government stepped in and regulated people's behavior in New Hampshire versus Vermont was really, really different with the pandemic. Sarah Gibson lives in Concord, New Hampshire. She's a reporter there for New Hampshire Public Radio. For a long time, New Hampshire did not have a mask mandate. We did not have the same kind of rules on indoor gatherings, uh, nor on out-of-state travel and self-quarantine. Despite living and working in New Hampshire now, Sarah is a Vermonter at heart. She's from Shrewsbury, a town in Rutland County near the Killington Ski Resort. I grew up in a place where, you know, there was every summer there was a big puppet troupe that came through and performed in the meadow near my elementary school, and we all ate gingerbread. Like, those are strong memories. As a kid, Sarah had this vague sense of New Hampshire as this place with ugly development and sprawl. These things called suburbs and big highways were in New Hampshire, but didn't seem to be in Vermont. And she remembers an active animosity towards the state. Yeah, people in Vermont were not nice about New Hampshire at all. (laughs) Now that she lives in New Hampshire, though, she says the feeling doesn't seem to go both ways. People in New Hampshire don't give a shit. In the same way that, you know, Vermonters, like, love to make statements and roll their eyes about, you know, live free or die on our license plates. Like, we don't, people here, they just don't have, like, a superiority or really inferiority complex about Vermont in the same way that I think Vermonters do about New Hampshire. And David Waters, the New Hampshire state senator, said almost the same thing. I think most of my part of the state really don't think about Vermont very much, other than the kind of stereotype, perhaps, of cows. Cow. Bernie Sanders riding on a cow. How about that? <laughs> Bernie Sanders milking a cow. How about that one? Maybe that's what some people think about. The idea of New Hampshire not caring enough about Vermont to have a gripe with us might be the biggest insult of all. But the rivalry between the twin states is not completely one-sided, if you ask Jerry Daniel. It's something he's been thinking about literally for decades. Being close to 90 years old, my mind's still reasonably good. Jerry is a historian in Hanover, New Hampshire. He lives in a house with a lavender door that's walking distance from Dartmouth College. He and his wife moved here back in the 1960s. I met them there on a recent afternoon. This is Lexi. Jerry used to teach history at Dartmouth, and after he retired, he would go around to towns in New Hampshire and Vermont, giving lectures in church basements, at historical societies, and gardening clubs, on whatever topic communities might be interested in. And one request that kept coming up was this very question that Ian Harding asked. What's the scene with New Hampshire? He had a thick folder he pulled out. He showed it to me at his desk. And we'll go through. I've got lecture notes here from a series of lectures. The last time I did that was on this very topic. It was stuffed with newspaper clippings, court documents, and handwritten letters from old students. And you'll just see things. articles in the USA Today that show that Vermont is the second worst managed state in the country. (laughs) New Hampshire comes in about eighth best. (laughs) Anything that's caught my fantasy. It had a lot of things we talked about already. The Supreme Court case, industrialization, tax structures, politics. But he says in recent years, a lot of these distinctions have narrowed. Jerry thinks the states are nowhere near as different as we like to pretend. 
Basically, there are a lot of old people who mostly aren't very religious, and a lot of power lies with towns. Sarah Gibson from NHPR summarizes the two states like this. There are mountains, the leaves change, there's maple syrup, it's very white, and there are a lot of towns without stoplights. Just call it a day. And the rivalry? This is mainly a form of entertainment. Entertainment. But it's fun to throw shade sometimes. And because we here in Vermont are making the show, we're going to give the last word to a Vermonter. Hi, my name is Tess. I'm from Shelburne, but now I live in Waterbury. I am calling about the question on the New Hampshire versus Vermont rivalry. Um, And I always felt like I didn't really... I didn't really notice it until I lived out of state when I was living out west. If I ran into people from New Hampshire, it seemed like I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, another person kind of like me from my twin state. And it seemed like they were like grumpy. They're like, oh no, New Hampshire is better. We've got, you know, big hills and whatever and things. And it always sort of was like, oh man, like, why you guys gotta be so rude? I guess that's kind of like the difference I've always noticed is like, they're, they're just, they're kind of rude. They're like a grumpy big brother. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you have a question about Vermont you want us to answer, ask it at bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can sign up for the BLS newsletter, vote on the question you want us to tackle next, and, of course, check out past episodes. If you liked what you heard today, I recommend our 2017 episode about how some of the differences between Vermont and New Hampshire stem from our geology and go back literally hundreds of millions of years. That's linked in today's show notes, too. This episode was reported by Lexi Krupp and produced by Myra Flynn. Mix and sound design by Josh Crane. Ty Gibbons composed our theme music, other music by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Christiana Martin, Vera Longtoshian, Anna St. Marie, Ryan Chartier, and everyone who left us a message for this episode, including TJ in Burlington. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio. If you're a fan of the show, please make a gift at bravelittlestate.org donate, or just tell your friends to listen. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back soon with more people-powered Vermont storytelling. Until then, remember, be brave, ask questions. Bye.